in the Navy. They're taught the best way to fight a storm or a hurricane was just to move out to sea and anchor deep. Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. There are times in our lives when we're caught in storms. Maybe someone listening is going through that right now. The best way to fight a storm is to anchor deep. Join us as we explore this year's theme and see how we have hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure in Christ. We hope you enjoy. All right, good morning. Ah, good morning. There you go. And online, we're so glad that you're with us. Uh, first, before we get uh, moving, let's give it up for the worship team. That was... So, so as I figure... Worship's not always like that, but I figure between first service and second service, I've burned 1,200 calories, so I could do whatever I want for lunch. I mean, that was some good stuff, man. Uh, the other thing, I mean, we opened up with that video. Can we just give it up for our teachers? Yes. I, um, today, we're, we want to appreciate our teachers and pray for them, but not just the teachers, but the um, support staff. A lot of you guys work in schools in the front offices. A lot of you guys are aides, um, homeschool teachers, all that. We, we know, here's what I know, and I'm really careful with saying this. I say it this way. We are not in the toughest times in the history of this world, but we might be in the toughest times when I've lived on this earth. And especially with um, getting God's word out there and morality and all that, it is so important that we have uh, men and women that are dedicated to the Lord that are teaching our kids. Because we can't assume like way back in the day it's being taught in the home. So what I love is, yes, any of you that are teaching at whatever level and wherever you're at, you're important. But I am a little biased towards West Valley Christian School. And I am grateful that West Valley Christian School has been able to survive for over 40 years through recessions, through pandemics. Uh, a lot of schools, Christian schools, private schools have left uh, just because they have not been able to. But for whatever reason, God has allowed us to continue to have a Christian school from preschool to eighth grade. And yes, amen. And I've invited uh, a lot of those teachers, uh, our teachers, uh, to be here today. So I know many were in the first service and in this service. And, and whoever you are, and then also students, those of you that are going into school and high school and junior high and elementary and, and some, some in college and maybe getting masters and stuff, we want, um, in just a second, we're going to ask all of you to stand and we're going to pray for you. Amen. But one thing I did say, I, I got to speak to the staff here at West Valley Christian School on Thursday, I think 30 or 40 of them, and um, I said something that I'd never thought of before, and maybe it's because our Kenya team, praise God, made it back safely, um, just Friday, but uh, maybe that was fresh on my on mind, but as I was doing a devotion with the teachers, I said, thank you for signing up for this year's missions trip, and they kind of looked at me weird at first. Well, they always look at me weird because I'm weird. But I, I never thought of it. Like that team, that staff that's here, they signed up for a missions trip. They signed up for a missions trip and their missions field is this campus with these kids and these parents for this year. And so thank you so much specifically um, for you uh, that are here today. But at this moment, I'm gonna ask if you're a student or if you're a, a, a teacher or an aide or in the front office, if you could stand and we're going to pray for you at this moment. Come on, don't be shy. Come on, stand up. There's lots of you. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Let's bow our heads. 
Father in heaven, um, just thank you for these that are standing. And Lord, whether they started last week or last month or they're starting next week or in a couple of weeks, we pray for each and every person standing and for those at home, Lord, that are standing. We pray, Lord, especially for our teachers, that you would just guard their hearts and their minds. And Lord, uh, the assumption would be if they're here at church, probably have a relationship with you and we're grateful for that. We would pray that they would trust you, lean into you for your wisdom as they deal with parents and students, as they deal with each other and their team. And uh, we just pray for unity in all of their schools. We pray for um, morality. We pray for endurance. We pray for courage, Lord, Uh, especially for those of our people that are standing that are going to be in the public uh, arena. God, I thank you for uh, this school at West Valley Christian School uh, Church, and we pray for them that you would continue to surround this campus with your angels and be with the staff here to help them to do the best they can to honor you and to serve you. Um, Thank you uh, for all the students uh, that are standing. Lord, give them the ability to persevere. Give them the ability to be disciplined and help them to succeed. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you. Um, if, if, if you're standing and you're in the front office or, or a teacher, uh, please stop, stop by the Welcome Center and we have a gift. And I would just simply say this, if you don't stop by and pick it up, Pastor Rob will take it because it's cool. No. Um, so we're, uh, we're concluding a series today and it's uh, our series uh, Anchor 2.0. And basically what we've done is throughout the whole year at different places, we've kind of jumped around. But if you put everything together, we've now preached after today through the whole entire book of John. And then we've had breaks doing other things. So um, it's, been a, it's been a fun journey. But what I want you to do is um, I want you to listen to this story that was uh, in a Chicago newspaper uh, decades ago. And, and the story goes like this. It was a, a, a young man working at a restaurant and his boss gave him $500 to go to the bank to exchange it for $251 bills and $250 um, uh, worth of coins. Are you with me? So he goes to the bank, he does this. But on his way out, he's counting it to make sure it's good. And he realizes he's got the $250 for the coins, but they've given him, instead of $251 bills, they've given him $250 bills. Oh, that's $25,000. So he realizes what he's come upon. He thinks he's won the lottery. He didn't really struggle with it. He's like, my gift? So he went home. And he stashed all that money. He's like, yeah. And he took 250 of it, went to a different bank and got 250 $1 bills. Goes back to his boss, gives him the $250 worth of coins, gives him the 250 $1 bills. Everything's good. Well, meanwhile, the young lady that was the bank teller realizes her mistake. And she goes in sheepishly, tells her boss, and the boss says, well, what did he look like? And can you tell, describe him? And she's like, ah, you know, I, I don't know. I, don't, I, can't, I can't remember. But then she stopped and paused, and she goes, but he had a distinct aroma. And she goes, it was Chinese food. She goes, I, I know this might sound weird, though, article writes this, and says, but, but I know what restaurant that, that food's from. And so sure enough, they called the police, and they show up, and there he was. And he confessed to what he had done. They gathered the money. The restaurant decided to, to do good with the bank and realized it was a mistake. Just fired the young man and the story's over. But all because she remembered the aroma of the young man. So you're like, Pastor, why did I get up early on a Sunday morning? Well, actually, you're 1030. You didn't get up that early. 
What does this have to do with me? Well, glad you asked because I think it has everything to do with our message today. I want to bring you to a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15. And it says, for we, talking about Christians, are, are to God the pleasing what? The pleasing aroma of who? You can say in his name in church, the pleasing aroma of who? Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. I love this passage because it challenges us as Christ followers to smell good. Now, now you're different. First service are all, you know, checking this up. I don't mean that kind of stuff, but you should smell good. At least, you know, take a shower once in a while. But that's not what this is talking about. It says we need to be a sweet aroma of who? Of Christ to, to those around us and to those that are perishing. And so what Pastor Rob, because I'm weird, I just translate this out simply saying, do you smell good? And I think that God desires for us, every one of us, to smell good. To, have, to, to be a sweet aroma to those around us. So as we close our series in Anchored 2.0, we'll be giving a, given clear marching orders in John chapter 13. I think I said 12 earlier. Uh, John chapter 13 on how we can smell better as Christ followers. Ready? Father, help us. Because we know this isn't easy. And, and what we're being uh, told today, what we're being challenged with today is not easy uh, for most of us, if not all of us. So God, help us be ready, help us to be open, help us to be ready to be challenged, and and help us to listen to what you have to say. Thank you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. So we're going to jump right into the story, and and why I said 12 earlier is because what I want to do before we get into 13, I want to read the end of 12, because I think this is significant, not only for just today's message, but I really think it has everything to do with the whole book of John. So John chapter 12, verse 44, are you ready? Then Jesus cried out, and remember, anytime it's in red, that, that's Jesus speaking. Whoever believes in me does not believe in only me, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as what, church? I've come into the world as light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. For I did not come. For I did not come to judge the world, but to what, church? I came to save the world. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at that last day. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. Now here, 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 listen. I know that his command leads to what? Eternal life. Church, do you want to spend eternity in heaven? Because we're gonna, we're gonna spend eternity somewhere, the Bible says. And there's two choices, heaven or hell. And I want to be in heaven. And he says here, he says, I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. So bringing this all together here at the beginning, if we want to be a sweet aroma to Christ, we are given marching orders on how to do so. And Jesus is the one that has spoken on behalf of our Creator. So it would be really wise for us to listen to him. Amen? 
Now, here's the choice. I could throw it out there. And just as I throw it out to you, I still have to make the choice on whether I'm going to listen or not, right? And then you get to make the choice on whether you want to listen or not. But here, Jesus' words lead us to eternal life. And I think that's an incredible blessing. Amen? See, Jesus is making sure that we understand that his words are the Father's words. And we would be wise to listen to them. And this, li- this, this listening to them and obeying leads to sweet aroma living, doesn't it? As, bu- as opposed to bad aroma living. So now let's take a look at the story found in John chapter 13. Are you ready? And there's some truths that we're going to pull from. According to time, we'll, we'll get to five or six of those truths. And, and again, this is just me reading into this very familiar story. If you've grown up in the church, uh, this is going to be a very familiar story. But I want you to, to, to take out all those preconceived thoughts, push it aside, and just look at this story anew. And some of you, it's the very first time you're going to hear it. This is a wow, a wow story that we're going to be reading. So, uh, what I'm going to do is we're going to go John 13, but instead of starting in verse one, I'm going to do something. I don't know if I've ever done it. We're going to go towards the end. We're going to go to John 13, 34. So I want us to start there and then we'll go back to the beginning. Jesus says this in John 13, 34, and we're going to read this together. Ready? A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you so you must love one another. Let's read that again. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Did you catch that? So Jesus is saying, we ought to love one another, but he, he, he defines that. Not your kind of love or romantic love and, or a love that is uh, conditional, but he says, I want you to love like what? Like I love, okay? And now this is really important because remember, we started at the end, right? And so what I am thinking as, as someone that studies God's word or as you study God's word, and again, this is just my, my, my brain, I'm thinking, love one another as loved you, so you must love one another. He must be concluding something that he's just done. Does that make sense? Like he's saying, I have just shown you what I mean by what it means to love one another. I am telling you how to be a sweet aroma to those that are what? Perishing, according to the Bible. All right, so write this down. Number one, he loved to the end. That's one of the truths I grabbed from this story. You're like, where did you get that? Well, glad you asked. John 13, one, you ready? John 13, one. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Death was knocking at his door, loose translation. Having loved his own, okay, we know that throughout Jesus, especially three years of ministry. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them till what? He loved them till what? He loved them to the end. So I didn't just pull this out of the sky. This is in scripture and it says this. He loved them to the end. I've read this story so many times as a believer. I've even preached this passage so many times. I've never, ever got stuck on those words. But for some reason, on the other side of this wall, as I was studying in my office this week, 
That really stuck with me. And so I went on a rabbit trail, kind of one of those squirrel, right? And, 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 and I, I was like, wow, this is, this is powerful. He loves, he loved to the end. Church, I hope we'll get a better understanding of what that may mean for us. The easy thing would be for us to go, oh, yeah, 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 he died on the cross, which he did, right? That was the very end, but not really. Because it says three days later, he conquered death, right? But, but he did love us to the end. But he hadn't died yet when he said this, right? And I'm thinking, Jesus, Jesus knows that Judas is going to betray him, right? Let me back up. So they're at this meal, right? And he's sitting there. And the meal is the 12 guys he's poured three, three years into. I mean, he's done everything with these guys. And he knows one of Judas is going to turn his back on him. He knows Peter is going to turn his back on him. So he's already got that on his heart. Like he knows the cross is coming. But I'm not even sure he's even there because he, he's in that moment and he's looking at these guys, first of all, that, that, that are still selfish. Because if a servant doesn't wash their feet, the least that they could have done, one of those 12 guys could have said, you know what? I need to wash Jesus' feet because that was custom, right? You know, you guys all have these nice socks and shoes and sandals and, and you know, we have the roads and all that. This was all dirt back in the day. And they just walk, 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 and dirty, dirty, dirty. So you go to eat someone's house and there's going to be a servant that washes your feet. But none of that happened. But the least could have happened. The disciples do this. But we're going to see that that's what Jesus does. But he's got this heavy on his heart. Judas is going to betray him. Peter's going to betray him. And the cross is right ahead. Keep that in your mind as we continue to read. Because I think loving to the end is so important. You know, on the cross, do you remember Jesus on the cross? There was uh, two thieves on either side. And he says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Talking about perhaps those that are crucifying, but also those that are, are on the cross next to him. I mean, in a moment where it'd be easy not to love at the end, where you're falsely accused and you're flogged and you're beaten and, and you're, you're, you're going to the cross because of my bad decisions, because of your bad decisions, like Jesus, the Bible said, was tempted in every way, but was without sin. Like that could become a place where you really get hardened and you're like, no, I'm not going to love now. And yet Jesus loved to the end. And you know what we call that? Grace. You know what we call that? Grace. I'm telling you, and I'm sticking to it, 35 years of ministry, I think that's one of the biggest misunderstandings in the world and especially in the church. It's a greased pig. Just when we try and figure, think we figured out grace, it just slips right off our hands. I don't ever think we're gonna completely arrive at grace, of understanding grace. But keep going after it, my friends, because God's grace through his son, Jesus Christ, is unbelievable. And some of you, type A, you know, legalists are like, you especially, I'm just going to call you out, you especially struggle with grace. You're all about right and wrong and fair. The cross wasn't fair, my friends. Love isn't fair. God isn't asking us just to love people that are, that are lovable. Are you with me? Oh, it got quiet in here, church. Why is that? Part of loving well is extending Jesus' grace, isn't it, church? 
I uh, met with someone, I was catching up, you know, I've been away for a while and then catching up with someone here on the campus. And uh, she's like, Rob, you're not going to believe it. My sister got baptized. Well, this was Monday. My sister got baptized yesterday. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like so-and-so? She's like, yeah. Well, I know exactly her sister. Uh, and we're talking, you know, probably seven, eight, nine years ago. She used to come to our five o'clock service and really, really sweet girl, but just life was just kind of tough on her and life was kind of unfair and things happened that wasn't fair to her and then she made choices, yada, yada, right? We understand all that. And she would sit right back here, just right there and um, just say hi and she was polite but never really got engaged in, in all that was, God was doing. So now you fast forward, she's, things happened in her life. She had to move to a different um, state and you know, eight or nine years later, she's found Jesus, and she gave her life to Jesus. And I was so excited because it's one of those that you're just like, I don't know. It's got to be Jesus, right? So I asked my friend to pull out her camera. And I'm like, turn on the video. And she's like, all right. I'm like, I'm sending her a video. I'm like, hey, I heard that you got baptized yesterday. I'm so excited for you. I'm so proud of you. This new life in Christ. Keep it up. You know, yada, yada, done. And then she sends it. Well, then I walk back over to my office and I get a text pretty soon after that. And, and she sends me a text saying, I sent it to my sister and she's crying. She sends this picture. She's crying. And she, she says, what's nice about being in a different state is nobody knows my flaws. Nobody knows my history. She goes, but what was overwhelming is Pastor Rob congratulated me even though he knew me. Church. Some people are blown away by that. And some people even ask me, how do you, how do, you do that? Now, here's, here's what I want to tell you. First of all, I'm not 100% good at this. But I am pretty good at it. You know why? Because I know I'm flawed. It's that simple. I know I'm flawed. I know I'm messy. So why am I going to Hold that against somebody that's messy, maybe with a different kind of messy. And that's called grace, isn't it, church? And that's the only way I could survive. And that's the only way you and I could survive. And that's the only way we could be a sweet aroma. If we're walking around as the legalist and the judgmental, you did and pointing fingers all the time, then we've really missed the boat. Now, please hear me. Grace is beautiful. But Romans 6 says, what shall we say then? Go on sinning so grace may increase. By no means we died to sin. How can we live any longer? So we're not going to take advantage of grace. But most of us aren't taking advantage of grace because we just don't even understand grace. And then the second part of this, we'll give grace to everybody. Maybe we'll give, let grace be for everybody else, but it's not for me, right? Jesus loved all you to the end, but he didn't love me to the end because boy, I'm jacked up. Are you with me? So that's what I pull out of this story. I just look at them. I've never seen this. And it says, Jesus loved them to the end. Amen? Amen. Do I have this as a goal? Am I loving people to the end? Even messy people. John 13, the story continues in verse two. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had came, come from God and was returning to God. So he got up, 
He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped it in a towel and around his waist. After that, he poured water in a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. I mean, this is Jesus, the son of God. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. It says, I have all authority and power in heaven. And yet he is the one on the ground putting these men's dirty, grimy, gout, hangnails. I'll just leave it at that. Lunch is around the corner in his hands, right? He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will. You're going to understand this, Peter. Verse eight, no. Church, Do you see what just happened? Peter, face to face with Jesus, looked the son of God in the eyes and said, no. Oh, Peter, Peter, Peter. You shall, what? Never wash my feet. Oh, Peter, Peter, Peter. Not only did he say no, but he said never. And Jesus answered, get out of my face, Peter. You've been driving me crazy for three years. I'm done with you. No, because remember point number one, love's to the end. Not just my feet, my hands and my head as well. Peter, you are dumb. (laughs) You are so full of yourself. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was what? Clean. Hmm. We're going to talk about Jesus in a moment, but let's talk about Peter. Like Peter, 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 Mr. Speak Before I Think guy. Not that we have any of you. They were all in the first service. Oh, wait, I didn't say that because this one's recorded. Anyways, think before you speak Peter, right? And I don't want to defend Peter, but I'm going to. Because he represents the majority of us, doesn't he? Now, we might not say, like, no deliberately to his face. And we might not say never. And we may not say silly things like, okay, then wash my whole body. But the truth is, don't we say no to Jesus every day? Because I think I do. Maybe I might have one good day where I don't. That's because I slept all day or something. I don't know. <laughs> but right? I mean, we, we may not feel like we're face to face with him and go, no. But when we're disobedient and know what we ought to do because it's for our benefit, don't you, don't you say no? Yes? Am I the only one? And so, again, we get uh, to look at this and go, what can we pull from this? And, and the second thing I pull from this story is don't stop at no. Because we've all said no at some point. Now here's the biggest no. Here's the biggest no we could say to Jesus. Do you call me Lord and Savior? Do you recognize me as the Son of God? And if we say no to that, that's probably not the probably, that is the biggest no that we could say. Like, honestly, that's the biggest mistake we can make. But what's cool about God is he gave us free will. So we get to make the choice. 
And here's what I want to communicate. You, there might be people here or there may be people listening that you've said no to Jesus. Ah, oh, he's a crutch. Or, oh, I don't need him. Or I don't believe in that fairy tale. Or I'm never going to bow down. You know, you, you might be that person who said no, no, no. But I want to tell you, you could have said no your whole life, but you could say yes today. That's what's crazy. Like, my personality, you're going to keep rejecting me, keep rejecting me, keep rejecting me. Go, go, go. <laughs> I'm cleaning up my thoughts there. See, John, I do have a filter once in a while, Pastor. I, I know it. But, 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 but the reality is, right? How many people in our life have we known that said, no, 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 to Jesus, and he's a this, 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 and this. And the next thing we know, they're confessing him as Lord and Savior and getting baptized, and they're a new creation in Christ. That's exciting, isn't it? Because God's never done. He's always going to be at the door knocking. It's whether we're going to open it up or not. But then there's those, the other no's. You know, Lord, um, no, I'm not going to leave my job and go become a pastor. No, Lord, I'm not going to say, I'm just going to say no to being a volunteer in, you know, the student ministries. No, Lord, I'm, I'm not going to tithe. No, Lord, I, I'm not going to love my neighbor. You know, no, Lord, I'm not going to keep my tongue <laughs> at bay. Right? There, there's, all, there's all kinds of no's, Right? And so that's what I want to tell you is what's so exciting about he loved us to the end and what that represents in grace. It also continues in this, that, 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 that we, we could have said no to all sorts of things, but, but we don't have to stop at no. We could actually humble ourselves and change and repent and say yes. And the most important yes that we could say is yes to Jesus. So if there's someone here today that said no your whole life to Jesus or didn't even know that you said anything, but if you don't say anything, then you're automatically saying no. Did you catch that? Come talk to me or somebody at the Welcome Center and say, I want to know what it means to say yes to Jesus. But for the rest of us that have said yes to Jesus, this means, what are we, are we still saying yes? What are some of the things that we feel like the Lord's asking us to do and we've just been saying, nah. And maybe today you understand it. Now, here's the reality. Peter didn't understand what was going on, did he? Like giving him a break, he didn't understand all that was about to happen. He was told you know, but he, he didn't have it. And, and, the, and I love Isaiah. Isaiah says it this way, and I always find comfort in this. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. This is great for those of you that really like to think things through, maybe even overthink things. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than yours. Loose translations, you don't think like God. It's not natural for you to think like he thinks. And so no wonder we're often struggling with faith things because we just don't know what the end is. And, and that's fair for us, right? Because we don't. But that's where faith comes in. And that's where we have to understand, you know what? At the end of the day, God, you're right. I don't think like you. You're right. I don't understand why all this kind of stuff happens. But at the end of the day, I say yes to you. So we know Peter eventually goes, he had to say yes because his feet end up in the hands of Jesus. There's a few things to learn from this passage, isn't there? <laughs> Have you ever said no to Jesus? Are you saying no to Jesus today? Hmm. He loved to the end. Don't stop at no. 
John 13, 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. He said, do you understand what I have done for you? (laughs) You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash what? One another's feet. Here it is. Here's our third, here's our third truth. And it's actually in the form of a question. Again, one of those moments and one of a longtime member came up to me after service and goes, she, she goes, I, I'd never seen that in the Bible either. And I, I, I hung out on this a long time. The third truth is this. It's a question. Do you understand what I've done for you? He says that. Now, as Christ followers, some of you are gonna go back to the cross and go, yes, Jesus, you died on the cross for me for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And thank you so much. And yeah, maybe I don't completely understand what grace is, but I know to say thank you. And that's what you've done for me. And and I think that's a great place to land. It's truth. But here's the problem with that. That had not happened at this point, right? At this point, this hadn't happened. So when he says, do you understand what I've done for you? You have to think about what he just did for them. And what did he do? He washed their feet. He took the dirtiest part of their lives into his hands and he served them. And he loved them through this act of service. Church, that is crazy powerful. In the midst of some maybe bad aroma, (laughs) he was sweet aroma. And this had to blow those 12 guys away that was watching this. Have you ever had your feet washed? And I don't mean, oh yeah, I went to a pedicure and da 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 da. Now I would, I'm just going to shoot straight. I would have made fun of pedicures for men until one man in this room that's a very manly man and big guy. I heard he does it like once a month, and I'm like, if he does it, then I could do it. I'm not looking at anyone in particular, Jeff. <laughs> We're not talking about that kind of foot washing. But we're talking about the kind I've experienced in Chile, in the Ukraine. I've experienced it in Samoa. I've experienced it here multiple times. Uh, Our college retreat, uh, we used to have beach retreats. And then uh, at night around the campfire, we would do foot washing once in a while. And and it was always weird. You know, you got 40, 50 college students. You're like, you're going to wash each other's feet. And we've been on camping and dirty and all that. But literally... The most humbling thing that you could do is not washing someone's feet. It's letting someone wash your feet. Are you with me, church? Like, not that you're in line going, oh, I can't wait to wash someone's feet. But it is so hard to have someone serve you that way. Are you with me? But I love it. Jesus knew two of these guys were going to betray him. And he's, he's modeling. And he says, do you understand what I've just done for you? I've washed your feet. He knelt down. Galatians chapter 5, 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Serve one another, what? Humbly in love. Mark 9, 35. Jesus said, anyone who wants to be first must be last and a servant of all. Jesus said, I did not come into this world to be served, but to serve. If you and I want to be a sweet aroma, We need to love. And how do we love? By serving. Not being a doormat to the world, but serving.
Amen. Mother Teresa said this, I belong to Jesus. He must have the right to use me without consulting me. I belong to Jesus. He must have the right to use me without consulting me. Are you a servant? Are you serving others? Are you living as a servant of God? Are you living this it's not about me mentality? I love a quote from John Ortberg in his book, Life You Always Wanted. He says, more than any other single uh, way of grace of uh, humility is worked into our lives through the discipline of service. This is really important. Nothing disciplines the, the, the inordinate desire of the flesh like service. And nothing transforms the desires of the flesh like serving, serving in hiddenness. The flesh, this is good. The flesh whines against service, but screams against hidden service. It strains and pulls for honor and recognition. You see, when the world talks about service, it also comes along with, oh, let's put you up on a stage and let everybody know what you did. Let's give you a trophy. Let's give you a plaque. Let's give you a promotion. That's not the service that Jesus led. It was humble service. Now, I could, the, if the Kenya team came back and said, Pastor, we just sacrificed for Jesus. We ate things and we smelled things and we traveled and we went without sleep and we ate in different places and we just did all this stuff for Jesus. Put us up on stage and let, us, let everybody know how great we are. I would throw up. It's my opportunity to bring up the team and say, hey, these guys are amazing, Right? But we want to serve as Jesus served, quietly and humbly, because he modeled that for us. Being a servant to others is a tough job. Just ask a waitress. People will take their attitudes out on you, mock you, think they're above you, and even decide whether you deserve a tip or not based on their selfish wants, being fulfilled or not. That was also in the book. Church, are you a servant? You see, when we serve well, we love well, we smell good. John 15, 15, I no longer call you servants, Jesus said. The fourth truth is he set the example. He said, I, I, do as I did. Do as I did. I, I, I washed these people's feet. I hopefully modeled servanthood. And then you go to John 13, 16. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is what? Greater than his master, nor his messenger greater than the one who sent him. The fifth truth is no servant is greater than his master. Oh, I'm above serving. No, you're not. That's why, and my predecessor was phenomenal at this. Pastor Kirby, even as he retired it, I think he was right around 70 years old when he retired and, and left West Valley. He, he would, guys, I pull many times, not just once, have you ever pulled in this parking lot and looked at the A-frame? Pastor Kirby on a 30-foot ladder up against there, putting, fixing wood tiles. He would build scaffolding in here to change the lights. There, there wasn't a table he wouldn't move and a chair he wouldn't move. Most lead pastors would not be caught dead doing that stuff. And you know what's awesome? I'm a part of a staff that they'll do all that stuff. Because you know what? I'll do all that stuff. Nothing is below me. Because nothing was below Jesus. Amen. The last truth, but it can't be our motivation. 
The last truth comes from John 13, 17. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now that you know these things, you will be what? Blessed. Church, the last truth is you will be blessed if you serve. Again, that's not our motivation. We're not looking for a pat on the back. We're not looking for a promotion. We're not looking for acknowledgement. It's always nice to acknowledge people that serve. But you do it because Christ did it. Well, did you learn anything? You got anything to work on? Because I know I do. I hope that you take one of these truths or a few of these truths and apply them to your life uh, today. Father in heaven, thank you. Woo, thank you. This is hard stuff, but it's good stuff. Thank you for modeling servanthood. Thank you for modeling a sweet aroma. Thank you for modeling what it means to love. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. Your tender mercies and your love that you've always shown me. You forget all my rebellion.